name is Patrick McGillivray, and I'm an experienced marathoner, ultra runner, sports nutritionist, master life coach, and weight loss coach for runners. I've dedicated my life to helping runners just like you properly fuel your body and your mind so you can get leaner, get stronger, run faster, and run longer than you ever thought possible. This is Running Lean. Hey there, and welcome to episode 80 of Running Lean. My name is Patrick McGilvray, the weight loss coach for runners. And today, I've got a fun topic for you, understanding and eliminating self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is one of those things that we hear the term and you think you have a pretty good handle on what it means, but do you really? Because if you find yourself engaging in self-sabotaging behavior, then you're not sure why you keep doing this to yourself, then you may not understand it as well as you think. Because until you have a better understanding of what self-sabotage really is and how it shows up in your life, you can't change it or you can't prevent it from happening. So in this episode, I'm going to help you to understand what self-sabotage really is, how it prevents you from achieving your goals, why you do it, and how you can eliminate it from your life. Cool? It's going to be fun. (laughs) And uh, just really quick, if you uh, like this podcast, please come check us out on Facebook. We have this awesome uh, community, the Running Lean podcast community. And the the Facebook group goes hand in hand with the podcast. It's a place where you can ask questions and uh, get answers and get some support and feel uh, the love, feel the encouragement, get some inspiration. We talk about running. We talk about mindset stuff in there. I do a little coaching and training in in there every week. And right now it's July and we're doing the dry July challenge. So it's a place where we are taking the month of July and uh, eliminating alcohol. And uh, the group is a place where you can, you know, kind of get supported through that journey. If this is something you're interested in, um, and you're just, you know, now hearing about this, you can still join in and, and, and start with us. It's, it's kind of fun. It's not like alcohol is bad or, you know, um, it's not about good or bad. It's not about moral judgments. It's just about, you know, I want to see what it feels like to take a break from alcohol. Maybe I want to improve my health or my running performance. And I just want to see how this will work. So come join us. It'll be fun. It's all about fun, right? <laughs> just search uh, for uh, the Running Lean community on Facebook and join us over there. Cool. And listen, I understand how overwhelming a lot of these topics can feel. You know, we talk about changing your mindset, changing habits, changing your the way you're eating, changing your exercise regimen, starting to do some strength training, getting into running, improving your running performance. All of these things can feel quite honestly overwhelming and it can feel very confusing and there's a lot of conflicting information out there. And I get all of that. That's why I uh, am a coach. That's why I coach people every day to kind of navigate all of that stuff and make it make sense for you in a way that will work for you. Coaching isn't about, you know, here's what you do is like one thing that we do. We just, here's a list of stuff to do and and it works for everybody. It's not like that at all. It's about figuring out what works for you as an individual, what works for you and your goals and your lifestyle and your likes and dislikes and your, um, you know, running, uh, performance and all of these things. We want to support 
support support you where you are today and help you get to where you want to be tomorrow. So if you're ever interested in working with me as your coach, just go to runningleanpodcast.com forward slash apply. And you'll you'll have to apply for coaching because it's I don't work with everybody. You know, I want to I want to have a conversation with you. I want to see if this is a good fit for you. I want you to see if if I'm a good fit for for you. Like you may think like, well, I thought Patrick would be awesome to work with, but then I started talking to him and I don't think so. <laughs> I haven't had that happen yet by the way. But, you know, it's possible. But anyway, it just can't hurt to have a conversation about coaching and what that would look like for you, okay? So I'm here for you. If you ever want to do that, just go to runningleanpodcast.com forward slash apply and we can talk about it. Cool? Awesome. All right, I want to get into this topic today. I've been uh, thinking about this for a few weeks now and I'm excited about this topic because I think it's really important to understand what self-sabotage really is, how you do it, why you do it, and how you can prevent it. And really, one of the biggest keys here and the biggest takeaway from this episode is gonna be that when you understand how self-sabotage is showing up for you, and some of these things I'm gonna talk about you may not have heard of before, and it may surprise you how how you might be self-sabotaging yourself or why you self-sabotage. But one of the keys is that when you understand what's happening, just right there, this can be, life-changing for you. This can absolutely help you to just eliminate it from happening going forward, okay? So just a really having a deep understanding of what's happening with you and how you self-sabotage is key to fixing the problem, okay? So the reason I really started um, getting into this and got excited about talking about this is because I was reading a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and he talks about in the book this, this issue called, he calls it the upper limit problem. And this is a problem where we all have some sort of self-imposed upper limit. And when we reach that upper limit, uh, and we try to go past that upper limit, things get very uncomfortable. So we might have a self-imposed upper limit of how much happiness we want to experience or how much success we can experience or how much, you know, how healthy we can be or how much wealth we can have, you know, how much money we can have in the bank or how much love we can experience. Any, it can be positive things too. It's not just about, you know, um, how much, you know, adversity can you handle? It's not about that. It's about like good things, right? So we have this self-imposed sort of upper limit. And when we hit that upper limit, we get very, very uncomfortable. And here's why. Because your brain sees this upper limit as unsafe, as um, unfamiliar, and as something that maybe is dangerous for you. You know, it's, it's out of your comfort zone. And so... You, you might be like feeling really good and feeling all this happiness and you're, maybe you're sticking to your eating plan and you're losing some weight and you're feeling really good. And your brain is like, wait a minute, what is happening here? This is not normal. This doesn't feel right. This feels uncomfortable, this place of like everything is going well. And so what will happen is, and you don't even know you're doing this, but subconsciously, You pull yourself back away from that upper limit. You pull yourself back to what feels comfortable, what feels familiar, and what feels to your primitive brain safe for you. 
back to your comfort zone, right? Some examples of how this shows up for people is, you know, kind of what I was just mentioning. Um, you start to lose weight. You're starting to feel good. You're sticking to your plan. And all of a sudden, you find yourself, you know, face first into a Boston cream pie. And you're like, what is happening? Why am I doing this to myself? I didn't want to eat this. But I find myself, you know, with a cupcake in my face. Like, what am I doing here? Because subconsciously, you don't even know you're doing this. You think, you know, it's all just happening to you, but you're, you're doing this to yourself. Okay, but, but it's subconscious. It's not within your awareness. It's like outside of your awareness, okay? Subconsciously, you're just trying to get back to what, what you know and what is familiar to you and what feels safe to you and what feels comfortable for you. And that is a certain weight. Like, let's say, you, you know, you're, you're on this track to lose 40 pounds, all right? And you haven't lost, you know, you haven't been 40 pounds in 40 years or something like that. And it's been, you know, 10 years since you've lost 20 pounds. And so you start to get close to that 20 pound mark. And all of a sudden, you know, this feels really unfamiliar and very uncomfortable for you. And so subconsciously, you will do something You'll start overeating, you'll start eating a bunch of crap just to get yourself back to where you feel comfortable. Isn't this sort of insidious? <laughs> it's very sneaky what happens, what our brains are doing to us here, okay? But we have to understand what's going on in order to fix it. Another example is, you've probably heard this one before, people that win the lottery. So people that are, you know, of you know, let's say middle class, you know, they, they have, you know, they, they're not used to having a lot of money, right? They're just like, whatever, living paycheck to paycheck. They win the lottery, they get millions of dollars. And I think the statistics are something like 60% of these people within two years are back to where they were financially before they won the lottery. Like they have this pull back to their comfort zone. Because having millions of dollars in the bank, investing it and making it grow and like all this other stuff feels so uncomfortable for them. It's so unfamiliar. And, and you know, they just want to go back to what feels good and what feels comfortable for them. And everybody else, maybe even them, would look at this situation and go, you're crazy. How can you do this to yourself? This is total self-sabotage. But in reality, it's so hard to discern what's happening because it feels like it's automatic. It feels like it's just happening to you, but it's very, it's very sneaky and it's subconscious that's happening. It's your subconscious at work. It's your primitive brain at work. And we have to just have this awareness to understand what's going on here. Um, another way this shows up is, you know, let's say you want to quit drinking and you find yourself doing well for some time, for some period of time, you might like, um, you know, we're on day eight now of the dry July challenge. And there's people that are doing really well and they haven't had a drink in eight days. And maybe some of these people will find themselves, you know, um, drinking tonight and they don't understand why. And it could just be that that feeling that they're feeling and experiencing of like not being drunk or not being buzzed or not being hung over or whatever, that doesn't feel normal to them. It doesn't feel you know, familiar. It's not what they're used to. It feels uncomfortable. And your primitive brain just wants to go back to what feels comfortable. And so it, it, your primitive brain will be like, you need to drink. And you might think, well, this is a dumb idea. Why am I doing this? 
and and you might just find yourself doing it anyway. When I first started, um, when I first stopped drinking many years ago, I remember waking up feeling good for the first time in a long time. <laughs> you know, waking up not feeling hungover, and this felt very uncomfortable for me. I had all this energy. I felt very clear-headed. I wasn't sick to my stomach. And I did not like that feeling. This was so uncomfortable for me and so not normal. Isn't that funny? Like I remember driving to work every day and I had up like a 30 minute commute or whatever to work. And I just remember every day thinking, God, I wish I just felt better. I wish I felt, I wish I wasn't so sick driving to work. But then I would, you know, um, then I stopped drinking and, and then I was like, oh my gosh, what am I feeling now as I'm driving to work? This feels so uncomfortable. I feel so like jittery and like, you know, clear headed, like <laughs> it's, it's crazy, you know? So that, that felt very foreign to me and very uncomfortable for me. And here's the thing, happiness can feel very uncomfortable. Feeling good feels uncomfortable for us. We're not wired to seek out happiness and to pursue happiness. We're not wired to pursue joy and to pursue love and to pursue success and to pursue good health. We're wired to pursue comfort. This is not a bad thing, okay? You just have to understand that this is what's going on in your brain. And this is something that we've evolved over millions of years as human beings. We have this um, natural instinct to seek out the familiar, to seek out what is comfortable for us, to always be running back to the safety of what's comfortable. Even though comfort may be what's bad for us. It doesn't matter. Even though we know, like, I want to, you know, improve my relationship with my romantic partner. And so I'm going to, like, you know, try to, you know, uh, you know, I want more love and more joy in our relationship. And then when you start to get that, it's like, whoa, this feels really weird and feels uncomfortable. I'm just gonna pick a fight with them just to make sure we go back to where we were before, where everything was comfortable and familiar to us where we're fighting all the time, right? This is kind of insidious. Now, we just have to understand, this is the way your brain works. It's not a bad thing. It's no moral judgment here. This is just how our brains are wired and it's okay. All change, anytime we want to change anything, it, it's uncomfortable. All change is uncomfortable until it becomes familiar to us. All change is uncomfortable until it becomes more familiar to us. So we have this um, thing, and, and I see this all the time with, with clients who want something for themselves. They want to lose weight, let's say. Or, you know, They want to quit drinking. They want to run faster. So they want something. They've wanted this for a long time. That wanting is very familiar. It's part of who they are, right? So maybe they've wanted to lose weight for 20 years and they've tried all kinds of things and they haven't worked, but they keep wanting it and they keep having this wanting. This wanting becomes the familiar thing for them. The wanting of the thing, the wanting of the goal becomes their comfort zone. They're just comfortable wanting this thing. You know, you may want to quit drinking and you want to quit drinking and that's just where you've been for a long time. Or maybe you want to get in shape and you've been wanting to get in shape for many years. 
You've wanted it for so long. It's now, it's just a comfortable and familiar thing, this wanting. But then you get the thing. You get in shape. You do quit drinking. You lose the weight. And now you start to have, you have to make this shift from the wanting to the having. That feels really uncomfortable for people. Okay, because you're just so used to wanting something. You're so used to wanting, you know, to reach this goal that having it feels weird and feels uncomfortable and feels unfamiliar and feels unsafe. I, you know, you, you may have experienced this if you've ever set a big goal for yourself, like running a, uh, a marathon, you know, and you cross the finish line of that marathon and it feels so amazing. But then all of a sudden you feel sort of let down and you feel uncomfortable and you feel weird and, and you're like, I need another goal. I need to put something else on the calendar. I need a bigger goal. This was my experience for sure. I ran my first uh, real big race I ever ran was a 10K. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I just, I've been training for this for so long. And now, now that I have it and it's done, now I feel uncomfortable having this thing. Like I, I have to want something else. So then I was like, I'm going to train for a marathon. And then I needed something else. And I started, you know, training for ultra marathons. And then I was like, I want something else. And I started training for triathlons and Ironman. And I want to run 50 miles and 100 miles. And, and the wanting can go on and on and on. And it feels uncomfortable when we get the thing because now we're not, we're not in that wanting place anymore, okay? You've gotten so good at wanting <laughs> that having it just seems um, too big or too scary or just weird or uncomfortable for us, okay? And when we get close to reaching a goal, sometimes we will self-sabotage, we'll pull ourselves back from achieving the goal so that we don't get it, so that we don't have it, so that we don't have to make that switch from the wanting to the having. So you might be close to losing weight and you might um, think to yourself like, you know, you don't really deserve this. Like, who do you think you are? What are people going to think of me? Or, or I'm, I'm really not good enough. I, I'm not going to be able to sustain this. This is really not for me. This might be for other people, but this is not who I am. All of these thoughts are going to come up and all of these feelings are going to come up and they're going to um, make you want to go running back to safety, running back to what feels safe and comfortable and familiar for you, which is the wanting. And so you're just going to continue with the wanting and you'll just go, go through that your whole life. I work with people every day who are like, I want this so bad, Patrick. All right, cool. And we start to make some progress and they find themselves month after month, week after week, whatever it is, just self-sabotaging. And they don't understand why. This is a big part of it because having the thing just feels too uncomfortable for them. Well, now that I've lost the weight, how am I going to make it work? How am I going to sustain it? And a lot of times it's just, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> if, you, if this is how you lost the weight, then this is how you're going to keep it off, right? It's not, it's not a big mystery there. But we get so used to the wanting that the having just seems too, too uncomfortable to deal with for us. And I think part of it is like we have this idea that once we get somewhere, once we have the thing that we can just coast, we can just like cruise, put it into cruise control and, and we don't have to work anymore at it. So the discomfort you feel around having something, I think that's increased by this false belief that when you get the thing that, you know, you've been chasing for so long that you can just coast. Like when you reach your goal weight, then you can go back to eating whatever you want. 
When you hit your marathon PR, then running, is, you can just coast. Like running will just be so much easier and you can just, you know, you pretty much no effort anymore, right? Or let's say you quit drinking for 30 days and you hit 30 days and, and all of a sudden something's going to happen where you're just no longer going to crave alcohol anymore and you never have to do any work around this again. And the truth is, none of this is true. Like the work is ongoing, right? You don't get to some destination and you have your thing, you have your goal, you've reached your your goal and then your work is done and you, you know, um, can just rest and just chill and cruise control, right? It doesn't really work that way, sorry. It's, it's just not, right? This is, you know, the, the work is ongoing. You know, it's how you live your life from here on out. Like it's, if you change your diet so that you're, you're losing weight and you're feeling good and you're fueling your runs properly and, you, and you're um, becoming the healthiest version of you, that's not something you stop doing. It's just not like there's no, there's no destination. There's no finish line that you're crossing. And then you can go back to doing what you were doing before. There's no there that's better than here. Okay. There's only here and that's okay. And, and what you're doing right now, if you're on this, on this um, journey of self-discovery, if you're on this journey of personal growth, if you're on this journey of becoming the healthiest, most badass version of you, then that is your journey from here on out. And that's cool. That's okay. That's good. We want to be on this journey. We'll want to keep learning and growing and exploring and becoming more always. So when it, when it comes down to it, self-sabotage is really a product of a lack of self-awareness. You just don't understand what's happening. You just don't understand the way your brain is working, right? And, and when you don't understand what's going on in your brain, it just can seem like everything is happening to you. Like, you know, everything's happening to you. You know, when you have the self-awareness, when you understand how your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings drive your actions, this is when you can start taking back control. This is when you understand that you have the power to change whatever you want in your life. And psychologists call this type of self-awareness, they call it emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the ability to understand, interpret, and respond to your thoughts and feelings in an enlightened and in, and in a healthy way. And so the root of self-sabotage is really is, is a lack of emotional intelligence. The root of self-sabotage is a lack of self-awareness. But when you have self-awareness and emotional intelligence, it kind of looks like this. So emotional intelligence is like you have a feeling, you know, you have this feeling inside you. Maybe you have uh, a feeling like anger, like you understand what the feeling is, you can name it. I have, I'm, I'm angry. I have an urge to, eat, to drink something or to eat something. I'm having a craving. These are all feelings. I'm stressed. This is a feeling. I'm bored. And then you understand that you have a thought that caused that feeling. You know, you maybe you're thinking, you know, a drink sure would take the edge off right now or eating this cookie will probably make me feel better <laughs> or my husband should show more support for me. These are thoughts that cause feelings. My husband should show more support for me might cause you to feel anger. And so you have a feeling, you understand what it is, you can name it, you know the thought that's causing the feeling. And then 
You allow the feeling to just be there without having to do anything to change it or to make it go away. This is what emotional intelligence looks like. You can have a feeling and understand what it is, where it's coming from, that you're having these thoughts that are causing the feeling, and then you don't have to do anything about it. You can just have a feeling of wanting to drink and not drink. You can have the feeling of um, you know, wanting to eat the cookie, but don't eat the cookie. You can have the feeling of anger at your husband and you don't yell at him, even though you're angry with him. You can just be angry and that's cool. This is what emotional intelligence looks like. And honestly, it's just one of those things that you have to practice because it feels kind of terrible at first <laughs> until you get better at it because it's so uncomfortable. It's so unfamiliar and you're in this place and you're outside your comfort zone because all of a sudden things are coming up and you just got to deal with it. You just got to let it be there. Just allow it to be there. Allow that anger to be there without doing anything about it, without acting on it. But you practice it and you get better at it and then you practice it some more and, and you get it gets easier for you and it becomes just a part of who you are. Emotional intelligence is something you can learn and practice and get good at. And listen, you're already doing this in other areas of your life. Like, you know, co coworker sends you a, a nasty email and you just want to punch them in the face, but you don't. You don't punch them in the face even though you feel like it. You got angry, you're feeling the anger, you understand it's just a feeling and that you don't have to act on it, right? Because you know there's like negative consequences that go along with this. You probably get fired or you know, get, go to jail or something. And the same goes for sticking with your eating plan or not taking a drink. You can still feel like you want a drink you can still feel a craving for a cookie and not eat the cookie. You can just be there with that urge to drink and not do anything about it. Just be there. It'll feel uncomfortable. It will. It's cool. Just feel uncomfortable. No big. I was just talking to someone last night who was telling me she was sitting at a, um, she was really proud of herself because she was sitting at dinner with friends and she's trying not to do sugar and flour right now. And there was a, you know, basket of bread. They just kept putting these baskets of bread in front of her at this restaurant. And she just looked at the bread and was like, nope, not doing it. And it felt uncomfortable, but she just, just let it be there. Just let it, let the discomfort be there. And just went on with, you know, talking with her friends and eating dinner and all this other stuff with all this bread, just staring at her in the face, calling out her name, eat me, <laughs> you know, and just didn't do anything about it. It wasn't comfortable, but she got through it. And the more you practice stuff like that, the better you get at it. The more, the more you practice not drinking when you feel like taking a drink, like you may be at a party and you're, you don't know anybody there and you feel super uncomfortable. You're like, I just, you know, a drink would sure make, make things easier here. Don't do it. Just, just feel uncomfortable. Be the, be the uncomfortable person at the party. You know what? Other people are probably uncomfortable too. But is that drink really going to help you in that situation? Probably not. Maybe you can just go talk to somebody, you know, just talk to one person, ask them, you know, what they do, ask them about their family, their kids, whatever. Just, you don't have to drink. You don't have to make yourself feel comfortable all the time. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. So understanding this emotional intelligence piece is so key and understanding the that your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings drive your actions. This is key to ending self-sabotaging behavior. The key to changing anything in your life really is to practice a different pattern. You gotta practice a different thought, feeling, action pattern. You have to train yourself 
to prefer habits that are good for you. Like you have to make the good habits familiar to you. And, and they won't be easy until they become familiar. It won't be comfortable until they become familiar to you. So you have to practice doing it. Um, like, you know, not eating the bread. That's a good habit, right? If you don't want to eat bread and, and everybody else is eating bread, you got to practice not eating the bread. And then that'll become easier for you and it'll become more familiar to you. And when you do this and you practice it and you get good at it, you expand What's comfortable for you? You, Your comfort zone gets larger. You expand your comfort zone. And listen, it's not enough to know what you should be doing. You know, it's not about good habits versus bad habits. It's not about being a good person or a bad person. It's never about a moral judgment. Never. It's just about changing what's familiar to you. So don't judge yourself for, you know, wanting to eat the bread. You're not a bad person because you want to eat the bread. It's just what's comfortable to you. It's just what you've done. It's what's familiar to you. Change what's familiar to you and you can change anything you want in your life. And honestly, you're, you're right now where you are today, you're already good at doing everything you're doing today, <laughs> okay? You're like, whatever you're doing today, you're good at already. This is comfortable for you, okay? All the habits that you have right now, all the thought patterns, all the things you do automatically or that seem automatic for you, this is all familiar, it's comfortable, it's safe, this is your comfort zone. So when you wanna change something, it's going to feel uncomfortable to you. Are you willing to go through that? Are you willing to feel uncomfortable to change? You have to be, you have to be willing to feel uncomfortable. It's the only way you can change anything in your life. Are you willing to do the work to feel terrible for a little while until things start to feel more familiar, more habitual, more comfortable for you? And you're probably saying, yes, Patrick, I am. And people tell me yes all the time in advance. They tell me yes before they feel uncomfortable. They're like, of course I'm willing to feel uncomfortable. But then when they actually do start to feel the discomfort and they start to feel kind of terrible, then they're like, hell no, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I thought you meant when you said I was going to be uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. It doesn't feel good. It feels terrible. And it's okay. You can get through it. It's temporary. It doesn't last forever. You can get good at it. You just got to practice it. But it's funny because people are, are all in with the discomfort ahead of time. <laughs> you know, they're like, yes, I'm willing to feel comfortable in a few weeks. No problem at all. But then a few weeks go by and they're like, oh, I really feel terrible get me off of this thing. And you're like, nope, you got to just stay where you are. It's the only way you got to get, you just got to get through it. So, but when you, when you start to feel that discomfort, that's when you start engaging in the self-sabotaging behaviors, even though you don't even know you're doing it, you're going to start to do things just to get back to the comfortable, just to get back to the familiar. Even if it's something that's bad for you, you, you know that, like, let's say you're trying not to drink alcohol right now, and you know that, you know, drinking alcohol is bad for you, let's say, okay? And, and you just know that you want to take a break for this month, you know? And it's going to start to feel uncomfortable, and you're going to find yourself wanting to drink or maybe find yourself drinking, even though you don't want to do that. Consciously, you're like, I don't even want this right now subconsciously your primitive brain is like you got to get something you got to get something to make you feel more comfortable here alcohol is what we usually do so let's go back to doing that 
all right? <laughs> Even though you know it's like, it's not good for you, it's not healthy, it's not what you want for yourself in this moment, you're gonna do it anyway. Listen, if you find yourself stuck or find yourself not making progress toward a goal, you need to hear this. You're not stuck because you're incapable of change. You're stuck because you don't feel like doing what it takes to change. I'm going to say this again because I think this is really important. You're not stuck because you're incapable of change. You're stuck because you don't feel like doing what it takes to change. You don't feel like doing what it takes to change because what it takes to change is getting uncomfortable, is seeking out the unfamiliar, seeking out the uncomfortable. And we get hung up on labels sometimes. Like we, we use these labels of like, we have good feelings, which equal comfort and safety and familiar familiarity. And we have bad feelings like discomfort, danger, unfamiliar. And I just want to say right now that I don't think these are accurate labels. I don't think any feeling is good or bad. Being a human being means we get to experience all of our emotions, the um, quote unquote positive emotions, the quote-unquote negative emotions. We get to experience joy and sadness, happiness and sorrow, um, peace and confusion, you know, anger and contentment. We get to experience all these things, and it's cool. It's cool. We can experience all these emotions. We're not going to die from feeling our feelings, right? But when you live your life from a place of always trying to avoid any of these negative feelings, you're going to find yourself stuck in a loop of always trying to avoid feeling stuff. You're going to always be seeking pleasure. You're always going to be avoiding discomfort, avoiding anything unfamiliar. And you're going to find yourself stuck and frustrated and never becoming more, never changing anything because you're always trying to avoid feeling half your feelings basically. All right. The way you stop the self-sabotage is to get really good at feeling uncomfortable, about embracing the discomfort. Get out into the unfamiliar territory on purpose. Do it on purpose. Do things that are hard, do things that don't feel good, but that will move you in the direction of your goals and dreams. Do the hard stuff even though you don't feel like it. This is like the key to accomplishing anything is you make a plan and then you stick to the plan even when you don't feel like it. Even if it feels, you know, unfamiliar, even if it feels scary, even if you don't understand how it's all going to work, even though it feels uncomfortable. I'm doing this right now for myself. Um, I started... I found myself getting to this place where I kept hitting snooze in the morning a bunch of times. Like I set my alarm for six o'clock and I would hit snooze a bunch of times. Right. And listen, as an entrepreneur, I get to make my own hours. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, I make my own hours. I can get up whenever I want to, you know, and I just found myself wasting time hitting snooze, you know? And, um, I decided in pretty recently, just a few weeks ago that I was going to be the kind of person who, got up at 5.30 and, and started working and just got to work right away. And so I've been doing that. I've set my alarm for 5.30. I don't hit snooze. I use my you know phone as like an alarm. And so I hit stop and then the feet are on the ground. Every morning, 5.30, stop, 
feet hit the floor. And this, I'm gonna tell you guys, <laughs> this feels terrible. It's really hard. It's very unfamiliar for me for me because I've been doing this news thing for like a long time, you know. And it's uncomfortable, it's unfamiliar, I don't like it, it feels terrible, I'm tired, I wanna sleep more, I feel like I need more sleep, you know, when I wake up in the morning. But I gotta tell you, every day that I do this, I feel better about myself. I'm building confidence in myself. Cause that hitting snooze over and over again was like a form of me self-sabotaging, wanting to stay in the familiar. And so I'm forcing myself to break that habit. And this is how you do it. You just got to get out into the unfamiliar, decide what it is you want for yourself and do that thing even though you don't feel like it. When my alarm went off this morning at 5.30, I was deep in sleep. I was in the middle of some dream and I was just like so deeply asleep and I opened my eyes and I hit stop and the feet are on the ground and I got up and literally within like two minutes, I'm, I'm wide awake and it's fine. But it's like, you just got to do the hard things. You got to do what what you need to do even though you don't feel like it. I don't feel like getting up at 5.30, but I'm doing it. I'm getting lots done and I feel so much better about myself. And the self-sabotage has stopped. So here's your homework for this week. (laughs) I got a homework assignment for you. I want you to decide what it is you want for yourself and then I want you to see what you are doing or not doing because you just want to stay with the familiar and the comfortable. So what do you want to be doing or what do you want to stop doing because it's hard or unfamiliar or uncomfortable? So this could be, you know, not drinking or sticking to your food plan or sticking to a running schedule or running faster or doing weight training or doing speed work or whatever it is for you. What is it that you want to be doing or what do you want to stop doing? but you're not because it's unfamiliar, because it's uncomfortable, because it's hard, because you don't feel like it. I want you to do that thing this week. Do it, even though you don't feel like it. So if you tell yourself, I don't wanna be eating sugar this week, then don't eat the sugar this week. And there's gonna be times when you are gonna feel like eating the sugar. Don't do it. Or you're gonna say, you know, hey, I wanna you know, do speed work two times this week. And then you're gonna wake up and you're gonna put your running shoes on. You're gonna be like, I really don't feel like doing this right now. This, I hate speed work, it's so hard. I'm gonna feel terrible. Do it anyway, even though you don't feel like it. This is how you stop the self-sabotage. This is how you change anything that you want for yourself, okay? So that's your work for this week. Cool? Let me know how that goes for you. I wanna hear about it. You can uh, post your, Uh, homework assignment. You can post your results in our Facebook group. Cool. All right. That's all I got for you guys. I hope you got something out of this episode today. And if you did, uh, I would love it if you would share this with a friend. Love you all. Keep on running lean. Talk to you soon. If you're a runner and you've been struggling to lose weight or you keep losing and gaining the same 10 pounds over and over again, or you're finally ready to get to your natural weight and stay there for good this time, then I have something you will love. I've created a powerful new training just for you called Running Lean for Life. You'll learn exactly how to transform yourself into a lean, fat-burning running machine so you can run without bonking, lose weight without calorie counting, and develop the habits required to make it last for life. 
To get this free training right now, go to runningleanpodcast.com forward slash lean for life and start your transformation today.